Again, if you have your books this morning, your Bibles this morning, turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 40. And, um, you know, a lot of times we, the reason I think that we as children of God get exhausted in this world is we try to do this in our own power. That's just nature. That's just natural for us to do. Uh, we're given a task and then we try to complete it. The thing about spiritual things is that you can't accomplish them in the flesh. Um, God has never intended us for to accomplish any of his work in the flesh. Now, yes, we have a fleshly vehicle, but that vehicle is to be driven by the Holy Spirit to carry out the work of God. And the work of God in our lives is truly to be an ambassador for Christ. When you're an ambassador for somebody, you're representing them. You're speaking for them. Uh, you're exemplifying who they are and what they stand for. That's a credible amount of responsibility uh, for a child of God to be that ambassador for Christ. So how I respond to the world, how I respond to all the things that the world throws at us is so important. How will Christ respond to those things? How will Christ work in me that I respond to those things? See, when anxiety comes, when depression comes, uh, for the child of God, it's because we're trying to carry this out. Uh, in the flesh um, there is a spirit of God that dwells within us uh, that gives us the power to be and to do did you get that the Holy Spirit that God gives us that great gift from God uh, that salvation yeah we're saved from God's wrath but that salvation that he gives us here on this earth is that, that, that sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're His forever. In that sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there's a transformation that happens in our life that we no longer see things as the world sees them. We no longer think as the world thinks, uh, and we no longer act as the world acts. So listen to this. I, I think that sometimes we forget this, the truths that are in Scripture that God promises um, to his children. Even though this was written to the nation of Israel, uh, the truths are there. Uh, God teaches us in truths of Scripture. Uh, these people that know all the knowledge of Scripture but know truth in Scripture. And see, that was the problem with the Pharisees and Sadducees, was it not? Did they not have all the knowledge of Scripture? But they had no understanding of scripture because they had no fear of God. So it goes on to say in, this is chapter 40 of Isaiah, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And the justice due to me escapes the notice of my God. I think that's kind of where we're at in our world today, is it not? With all the evil in the generation that keeps coming and passing and raised up. They are further and further from God's word. The, the, the churches, so-called, I'll put them in parentheses, the churches that call themselves the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that they teach are contrary uh, to the word of God. And somehow we believe that and we become so complacent in our world that we think that it escapes the notice of God. I will tell you this one biblical truth that nothing escapes the notice of God. See, you may hide your sin from me. You may hide your nature from me. 
but you cannot hide it from God. God knows why you're here this morning. God knows if you're a child of God. You should know that if you're a child of God by your, his spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. The fruits of the spirit should be growing uh, as you mature as a child of God. And if those two things are not happening, then you're clearly not a child of God. Nothing escapes God's notice. He knows everything that's going on in the world. Matter of fact, as we just talked about, these end days and end times, there's going to be a great falling away uh, from the truth of God. There's going to be a sense of a um, godly awareness or a godly um, nature, but devoid of the Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, acknowledging God does no good. Uh, we must worship Him in spirit and truth. And so, understand that we have forgotten this truth in our world today that, that somehow the world has fallen asleep, that God is a wrathful God and God is a holy God and He's going to bring about His justice. You see, He condemned mankind once and for all. It's not that you're condemned because of what you do. It's condemned because of who you are. We have the seed of Adam, so therefore we're condemned. You can't do anything about that. Uh, it's not something that, it's something you inherited. It's not something that you did or didn't do. It's basically God has condemned all of mankind. And this is what we don't tell people. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school because Sunday school is about going out and just telling people about the gospel. But the problem is we have mistaken what the gospel is. It is not a physical deliverance. It is not throwing yourself at the feet of Jesus. It has nothing to do with that. It's about the sinful nature that we have. And if we don't tell people that you're born with a sinful nature and you're condemned by God, then what is the need for the gospel? The gospel is not going to heaven. But yet that seems to be the focal point of most churches is telling people that, well, yeah, just come to church, sing some songs, join the church, go out and do some good deeds, and wow, you're going to go to heaven, God's pleased with you, and that couldn't be further from the truth. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. To get people, because that's what people want, a physical deliverance. They want that, that, that assurance that they're going to be okay from a physical sense. But the spiritual sense... You know, if I could do what Peter could do and, uh, and Paul and, and all the disciples and I could heal everybody, uh, this place would be full. Matter of fact, there would be standing room only. The parking lot would be full. We would have a, an absolutely uh, mess out there. People trying to turn in here so that I could heal them. I've got something better than physical healing. And yet... Our pews are not full. I have got a truth that will take you to eternity and have a relationship with God, but nobody wants to hear that. We live in a world today where, where if you can't have a Jesus that gets me out of my trouble, then I don't want that Jesus. And then if that Jesus doesn't work, you just don't have enough faith. That's their, that's their, that's the small print. Do <laughs> you ever sign a contract and, and, and you didn't read the small print? Well, the religious small print is that if, if, if we're everything we're promising you about this physical Jesus, if it doesn't come true, you didn't read the small print, 
it didn't come true because you don't have enough faith. Okay? So they put it back on you. God doesn't work that way. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. He's not like me and you. His ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. He doesn't have to take a nap in the middle of the day. He doesn't have to sleep. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. He's very patient. His understanding is inscrutable. You see, he gives strength to the weary. The whole point of living this life is that we become wearied. The point is, this fake gospel, when people are becoming weary, we're not telling them truth. We're giving them a lie. That if you'll just put your effort forth, and you'll give your trust to Jesus, that everything will be okay. That's not what that says. We're to become weary. We're to become to the end of ourselves. Where we understand the truths of God say that in the flesh you cannot please God. We're condemned by God. We're hopelessly, helplessly lost. There is no answer for mankind through mankind. And so we come up with a fake gospel that allows people to feel good about something they can do nothing about. Instead of throwing themselves on the mercy of a holy God with fear and trembling. Remember we talked about fear. Where does knowledge come from? From God. The spiritual knowledge. By fearing him. And how do you use that knowledge? Through wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Remember we talked about the fear of God brings forth the spiritual wisdom. So you can see how all these things fit together. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, eventually we all become tired. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Probably one of the most difficult things in our, in our spiritual life is waiting on the Lord. God never is there fast enough and quick enough. From our perspective. God is never there. Fast enough or quick enough. For our perspective. But he's always there. At the right time. From his perspective. You see if he doesn't let us grow weary. We never come to the conclusion. That we need a savior. You see so sometimes in our life. We've not grown weary enough. Or we've substituted the salvation of God for the salvation of men through a false Jesus. We must wait on the Lord. And the longer we wait, the less important things come. Have you noticed that? When you're going through a situation and, and, and the immediacy of that situation becomes to overwhelm you, and you begin to act out of frustration. Well the child of God is to wait on the Lord. Sometimes you have to just allow him. To work things out. But it's not the working out. That's significant. 
It's the growth that happens in you while you're waiting on the Lord. So whether he works out the situation or not, you've grown to get through the situation better. See, we've focused on God taking care of our situations. God doesn't need to take care of our situations. We need to grow through those situations to become more mature and be more like him and to handle things in trusting him. Waiting on God is very important. Waiting on him to bring about. Now that doesn't mean you're idle. That doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing. That means you're seeking his word. You're spending that quiet time with him. Seeking that, that comfort. That he can only bring in difficult times. Oh, it's a very active time waiting on God. Okay? Very act. It should be the mo- one of the most active times in your life when you're waiting on Him. When you're searching the Scriptures. When you're asking Him to, to grow you, to teach you. And practicing. Waiting on God is practicing His Word. Did you know that? So when it tells me that I should turn the other cheek and someone is mistreating me, then I practice turning the other cheek, as difficult as that may be. See, it's when those times become joyful in our life that we know we've grown. See, at first we do it out of obligation because the Word of God tells us this is how we should do it. But then as you begin to practice these things and you begin to grow spiritually, then the joy comes of following scripture, not what you're experiencing. It's pretty neat how this works. Makes no sense at all. <laughs> actually, to the human mind and human flesh, it actually is foolishness. Uh, but that's what God tells us, isn't it? This is truth or foolishness to those that are perishing. But what is it to those that are being saved? It's comfort. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. See, physically, you're going to get tired. But spiritually, you have to guard against becoming weary and tired. One of the most devastating things in the life of a child of God is to become tired spiritually. And the reason we do is because we don't wait on God. We try to be more than what we're called to be. We try to become religious and try to please him, which he never asked us to please him. He says, let me do something for you so that I'm pleased with what I've done with you. I'm only pleased with you because of my son that's in you and my spirit that's in you. He's not pleased with anything in the flesh. And we have to come to that realization in life that God is not pleased with us. And I don't know why this world twists it around and tries to say, you know, you've got to go out there and do something to make yourself noted by God. You want to be noted by God? Wait on him. Let him finish his good work that he started in you and quit trying to carry it out in the flesh. God never asked you to do anything except to believe in him. And believe who he says he is. And believe who he says his son is. 
for only through the name of Jesus Christ is man saved. Let's look at Colossians. It's a neat passage of scripture. Uh, 1, 1 through 12. Sometimes, you know, we don't look at all of the scriptures. And there's, understand there's, there's truth in all the scriptures. Um, I like this. Paul always writes his letters. Uh, the the um, Colossian, the church in Coloss, they were beginning to go through some problems and difficult. So, you know, Paul needs to write him a letter of encouragement. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So understand that he's apostle by God. He was called to be who he was. Um, that was God's plan. He was one of those chosen instruments of God that carries out God's purpose. Um, and he's, te he's teaching this to the saints, okay? Those that are children of God and faithful brethren. So understand, you've got to make, are the saints and faithful brethren or saints? I would say he would have said it, faithful saints. But he didn't. He said the saints, those are children of God, and the faithful brethren. There's people that are also going through the discipleship that are you're not yet saved. You're not, you're not a saint till you're saved. Okay? You're still a sinner. Okay? So as a disciple, you're still a sinner. Do you ever think about, hear that? And then when you become a child of God and you're born again, then you become the saint. How come do you become the saint? Because the Holy Spirit resides in you, so now you're a saint. That's what makes you a saint. Okay? It's not what you do that makes you a saint. It's who you are that makes you a saint. So he's to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ. So two different groups. Who are at Coloss. Grace to you in peace from God our Father. We give thanks to who? Jesus Christ? Did, did they thank Jesus Christ for this? Who did they thank? They, thought, they thank God. Why? Jesus Christ is just an instrument by who God used to save us. To, so that we can have that reconciliation. So that we can be that righteousness of God. So understand, even in these early biblical times, it was not all about Jesus. It was about thanking God through Jesus that they are who they are. So we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, is an agape love, is a different love than what we can understand and know. Only saints can understand this love. That it's not based on what someone does for you or doesn't do for you, but it's based on the holiness of God that you love them. Because God is patient. And he's waiting patiently for all men to be saved. And so we should have that same uh, aspiration in our lives as we deal with people in our lives that we pray for them that God might grant them salvation. Since because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, it didn't say the hope that you go to heaven. See, religion misquotes this a lot. It's, oh, we have hope that we're going to heaven. No, your hope is in heaven. The hope in heaven is the resurrection of Je the resurrected Jesus. That's the hope that you have. The non-resurrected Jesus, there's no hope in. That's that physical Jesus that the world teaches about. That's the Jesus that Paul warned us that was coming. That there's going to be a lot of people teaching a different Jesus. 
And we live in that world where there's a lot of different Jesus is taught. The only Jesus that matters and the only hope that you have is the resurrection Jesus. When he was resurrected, then it showed that he uh, was able to fulfill God's commandments to become the Lamb of God, to be the sacrifice for all of man's sins. And that's how we have to look at how, how the hierarchy of how God puts it. Okay? This is, this is how it is. We have to look at Jesus for who he is to be. Is he, is he the, um, the Lord and Savior of his people? But for the Gentiles, it's God who has saved us from our sins. He just used Jesus Christ as that instrument to do that. And this is something that's misquoted all the time in our, in our modern day churches. That they don't understand that. That hope laid up in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Make sure you understand and know what the gospel is. The gospel is not you're going to heaven. The gospel is that God provided a way for reconciliation to a condemned world that he condemned. And it's through Jesus Christ which God expects a repentance of sin. And without the repentance of sin, there's no forgiveness of sin. So you can't stay as he found you. Matter of fact, he finds you, you don't find him. Religious tells you to go out and find Jesus. Well, Jesus has never been lost. You are lost. You're the one that is sick. You're the one that's undone. You're the one that's dead in your trespasses of sin. You're the one that needs to be found. You're the one that needs to pray to God to have, let Jesus um, find you. See, we've got this all backwards. In verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit. Okay? The truth in the word of God bears fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. And the branch just bears the fruit. It doesn't produce the fruit. Somehow we believe that we produce the fruit. That's working out things in the flesh. I cannot produce the fruit. God has to produce the fruit. I'm just the branch. And as long as I stay into the vine, God will produce the fruit. We can't make that happen. It's impossible. Constantly bearing fruit. Not just here and there. And just not whenever you want to. I mean... These people that are on fire for God and then they're not on fire for God and then they're on fire for God and they're not on fire for God. See, I used to be one of those religious people that was on fire for God, not on fire for God. On, and, you know, and this is why um, they would have these, these, these conferences and you, and you go to these seminars and you go to these, 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 these things where you have all these speakers and they motivate you. You have motiva uh, what, what our churches have become is motivational speakers. Our preachers have become motivational speakers. 
This is constantly bearing fruit. In my life, constantly, the fruits of the Spirit are growing. And through the fruits of the Spirit growing in my life, it produces other fruits. You see, that's how God does this. As I'm kind and generous and faithful and loving, long-suffering. All of those things that the character of God and people begin to see that in my life and I don't respond the same way the world responds to the tragedies and the effects of this world, then they will ask you why. And then you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, the true gospel. Don't focus on sin. Focus on why we sin. And without a new birth experience, you'll continue to sin. You'll continue to be unpleasing to God without that new birth experience. So just as you learned it from Epaphus, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he has informed us of your love in the Spirit. So this guy, what he was doing, he was correctly sharing the gospel. It was constantly bearing the fruit. The word got around. And so Paul was praising him for that. For this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So they weren't praying for the ministry. They were praying for him. I think we pray for the ministry way too often. Maybe we ought to pray for us and let God take care of his own ministry. Hmm. What a novel thought, huh? Paul says we continue to pray for you, not your ministry. Because we know if we pray for you and God does his work in you, the ministry will be accomplished automatically. Oh, isn't that cool? It's neat how God works this out, isn't it? Have you ever heard people say, look at my ministry, pray for my ministry? Don't be praying for people's ministries. Pray for the people that they're, they're, they're the child of God and God has called them to be. First of all, that they are children of God. And then not just some religious folk out there have some zeal for God misplaced. There's so many people out there that have a zeal for God that's misplaced in this religious world. Because they don't listen to what scripture and the truths of scripture. And somebody has told them, you got to go do this and you got to go do this and you got to go do this. When this word says you got to be this. You got to be this and then allow God to do this. Does that make sense? So, so you get spiritual wisdom and understanding and where does spiritual wisdom come from? Fear God. Okay? Where's knowledge come from? Fear God. Where's faith come from? Hearing by the word of God. So it all comes from God. So, that is such a really important word. So, we're doing this so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. See, you, you better walk in the manner worthy of the Lord. See, all these people out there have this, these ministries that, that, they think, that they're doing something they think great for God, 
but yet they're not walking in a manner of their calling. God is more important how you walk than the ministry that you have. Did you hear me? God is more concerned how you walk than any ministry that you have. And Paul proves it right here. He's praying for him that he'll walk and have the spirit and the fruits of the spirit and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. Why? Who are we pleasing? Who are we pleasing? Him, not ourselves. See, so many people do Christian activities and Christian work to please themselves. Oh, they'll say they're pleasing God. But not unless they're excited about their ministry or they, they want to do it. Uh, I'm going to be a missionary. Now, if you want to be a missionary, you get to go through classes and choose where you want to go. Hmm? Nice beaches. And when we send our kids on these mission trips, we take them to the beach to pass out tracks and then enjoy the nice, beautiful weather. Only send them to the slums of New York. Don't you think? Huh? I mean, isn't it funny how we pick and choose and we call it the call of God? <laughs> it's funny how religious and religion does that to us and blinds us to do things for God instead of allowing God to take care of his own ministry. But walk in that manner with the Lord so you please him in all respects, not just some, but all bearing fruit in every good work. And this is what I'm telling you. If you're doing a good work and there's not a spiritual purpose behind it, it's not intended for the church. Okay? Just to go out and give somebody something because they're poor? What in the world good have you done for them and how have you helped them? By helping them physically. So I give a guy a hundred bucks today. It's gone in what? How long? That dude needs another hundred bucks. I haven't helped him at all. But if he's seeking spiritual help and strength and he's willing to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll make him a new creature. He'll get off of his lazy bottom and go get a job. Hmm? See, we have Christians that think that they just, every time somebody's in a bad need, they just need to give them something. This says right here, there better be a spiritual purpose that's bearing fruit. When you give things to people you, and you don't know them, maybe they're drug addicts and you're helping them remain in that drug. You're not allowing God to bring them to that weary self. See, most people just want out of their physical circumstances and God uses physical circumstances to break our hearts. And when people just want to be helped physically and they still die and go to hell, God forgive you. When your purpose as the ambassador for Christ is not having some spiritual uh, insight in this matter. 
Jesus never came to help us physically. Just to reconcile us back to a holy God. And we have forgotten that purpose. And God forgive the church and all these religious people that aren't doing, that have some type of, of spiritual strengthening with power according to his glorious might for attaining all steadfastness and patience joyously. Joyously. When God asks you to do something, you're not going to want to do it. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. It's going to take you beyond yourself. And increasing in the knowledge of God, I forgot that. See, the whole point is this, that we increase in that knowledge of God through his fear and his work in our lives. But staying steadfast, not wave, wavering to the right or left or, you know, just but staying steadfast in our faith. Doesn't matter what the world tells us. It doesn't matter that all the stuff that uh, the Pope is telling us and, and, and how we're supposed to change. And I understand there's a new Bible out now, a TikTok preacher that's got millions and millions of people listening to him speaking a language that's not even of spiritual tongues. It's just nuts. It's just absolutely stupid. And yet, the younger generation is flocking to it. No reverence, no respect. Giving thanks to who? And we'll quit. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share do we get this? Do we get this? Thanking the Father that qualified us so that we could share in this? It's not our ministry. It's not our message. Preachers out there, quit titling your messages. Anytime you sit under a preacher that's titling his messages, he's thrown his twist on it. He's trying to make a point. Instead of allowing God to make a point. This is not my message. It's his message to you. So that you will not have to suffer the wrath of Almighty God. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of of the saints in light. It's amazing when you take the scriptures and you use other scriptures to find what scripture is saying, how plain the truth comes out in obliterating the thoughts of man, obliterating the religious part of man. God has no room for religion in this relationship. No room for religion in this relationship. 